Welcome to the Calvary Community Church Podcast. For more content and information about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryhouston.com. So today I want to talk about living with certainty in an uncertain world. Living with certainty in an uncertain world. So let's pray and ask God to help us. Father, thank you that you are here right now, that we're not trying to do something on our own, but you are the spirit of life. You are the Father. You are the Savior. You're even inviting us to call you a friend. God, that's just just amazing. Thank you for who you are. God, help us to be who you made us to be. Lord, we, we mess that up so much, but you are so gracious and forgiving and so restoring. Thank you, Lord, that none of us are lost without hope that you are our Savior, and you are with us. That's your nature. It's who you are. You never leave us alone. You never fail us. You never forsake us. And Father, I'm reminded this morning as I was looking at these words from your Scripture that the disciples said to Jesus when he said, are you going to leave me? (laughs) People were deserting him because of his teaching. And the disciples said, where are we going to go, Lord? You've got the word of life. And God, I think your word is full of life. It gives life to us when we hear you speak to us. So Holy Spirit, take what you have revealed to your prophets and the apostles who are the foundation of our church. And God, speak words of life into us today and encourage our souls and our living to be something that's meaningful. And it, God has purpose and it has a future. And so, God, we just want to let you speak words of life into us. Holy Spirit, we invite that ministry in Jesus' name. Amen. Take your Bibles and turn to two passages of Scripture, Isaiah 51, which is where we're going to spend most of our time, and also Galatians chapter 3 in the New Testament. Put a marker there. I'm not sure we'll get there, but we will see if we get there. Living with certainty in an uncertain world. It's not hard to look at the world in which we live and recognize it is an uncertain world. There is stuff coming apart everywhere. Uh, The world will continue to devolve. The scriptures are clear about that. The world is, well, the word God gave us as a church family several years ago, the world's going to get better and better, worse and worse, faster and faster. And that's clearly what we have declared by the Lord Jesus, by Paul, by the prophets. I mean, it's just all through the Bible that the world is going to get darker. We're coming to a place where Jesus calls the great tribulation. It's going to be the worst time in human history, but it's actually a time of redemption. God is giving people one last chance before he brings his kingdom and makes the world what he set out to make it in Eden before we messed it up. He's giving people a chance to wake up and say, choose light instead of darkness. Choose me instead of without me, because he is our creator. He knows how it's supposed to work. So God is giving one last invitation by shaking the Hebrews 12 says he's going to shake everything that can be shaken, which, which he explains, meaning everything that won't support you, everything that won't bring you into real life and relationship with God, it's going to just start to fall apart. And so by taking away all our props, people get a clear choice. Do I want to just stay and do it without, or do I want to say, God, you're there, I need you. I want you in my life. 
And so it's, while it's darkness, it's redemptive darkness. It's an opportunity of response, a clear choice, God says, between righteousness and wickedness at the end of the age will be given because of his great love and his mercy that we've experienced in the Lord Jesus Christ. But the life we're living right now, where we are in history as we progress, and, and the Bible describes the coming of the Lord Jesus, the second coming, as like a lady giving birth, a woman giving birth, that there are contractions. And we know, you know, there are times when contractions back off and everything kind of flows along okay, and then a contraction comes and there's some strain and pain, and then there's some backing off again, and then sometime, and there comes a time to push, you know, and I think push for the church means pray until something happens. It's like we all have to press into God in prayer more and more as we move into the, the purposes of God and prophecies of God in the last days. But the world in which we live is, is filled with uncertainty. I mean, it doesn't, you don't have to look anywhere but the news on any night of the week, and you'll find there's a lot of uncertainty in our world around us. But we are not to live with uncertainty. We are to live with our lives founded on what Isaiah earlier calls the rock eternal, which is Jesus Christ. If you go back to that great prophecy, Isaiah 24 through 27, which describes everything I just said in that one prophecy, in chapter 26, verse 3 and 4, he says, you know, the, the world's going to be shaken, but he says, you know, thou will keep in perfect peace the one whose mind is set on you because he trusts in the Lord. Trust in the Lord before he is the rock eternal. I mean, he's the rock of ages. We have that old hymn. It's like he's the foundation. It's not going to shake. shake. He knows how life works and we are called to depend and put our lives upon Jesus Christ as our Savior and as our King. So the certainty is Him. No matter what's shaking around us, our certainty is in, Lord, you are Lord. God, you are God. Jesus, you are Savior. We believe what He said. We call believers, right? We believe what He says. We trust our lives to these things. And when we do that, rather than live with fear, which is going to be a lot worse than it is today even for people. I mean, there's a lot of fear today, and it's going to get worse. Jesus even prophesies in Matthew 24, I think he says that people's hearts will fail them because of fear. There'll be so much, it's going to get worse. The world is going to get worse, but it also says it's going to get better. And I've been telling you each time I talk almost that the better part is you guys and me. The better part is God's people. We're going to get brighter and brighter, more godly as the world gets darker and darker and more ungodly. God's going to give that choice because of his clear love. If you want to see that clearly in the scriptures, just read Isaiah 60. You'll find there, even in the first three verses, the world's getting darker, but God's people are going to get brighter because we're going to draw closer to him. And that's how we keep from being uncertain. That's how we keep from living with fear is that we learn to live with faith. Faith in what God says, faith in who God is, faith in what God's done for us, faith in what we know of God because we've walked with him and talked with him. We've encountered God. I mean, if you'd just been in our service last Sunday, you would know there's an encounter with God happening. People were going to the altar and laying down and confessing their sins. And it's like, I didn't know till it was over. They had never had anything like that happen in their church before. And so then I find out, uh-oh, and some people were like, what was that? What is going on? And it's like, you know, I thought, well, that's kind of normal. I mean, it's happened here a number of times. It's like, it's not, it's not like every day for sure, but it does happen. 
And so I was surprised that they had never experienced a visitation of the Spirit like that. But listen, there are going to be increasing visitations of God because of his grace. There are going to be increasing pressing in of God's love and presence where people know, oh my gosh, God is here. The living God is here, and he's always here, but we are just not aware of it, are we? We live in such unawareness. So we're going to learn to live with deeper faith. There's so much insecurity in our world. I mean, there's a lot of it. But while we're not to live as insecure, God tells us we have to be brave. I mean, a lot of times God calls people to bravery. Think of just Joshua's call in Joshua chapter 1, where he's taking over from Moses. And he says, be very brave and courageous. And he, he says that a number of times to people. It will call for bravery, spiritual bravery in this hour. The instability that's all around us is going to shake everything that can be shaking, the scripture says. But while we're not to be insecure, the way we don't be insecure is that we live in fidelity to Christ. We live in devotion to him. We live trusting him. We live honoring him. And in that fidelity, we find our security. That Christ, again, he is who he says he is. And he's going to do what he says he's going to do. So I want us to look at this prophecy and talk a little bit about where we're headed and, and how we're getting there, what God is going to say to us. Um, boy, there's just so much here. I've been going through Isaiah for a number of months now. But... Um, you know, just a couple of little lists, let me give you up front, that there are three calls here in this prophecy to believe in the promises of God. And you can see them pretty clearly if you just glance down there. And starting in verse 1 through 3 is the first call, believe my promises. And he uses this phrase, listen to me. Like, I'm about to say something, listen up, pay attention. Verse 1 through 3 says something there about what promises to believe. Verse 4 through 6, and verse 4 again, he says, listen to me, says it again. It's like, pay attention, I'm making you some promises. Verse 7 and 8, he says, hear me. Again, each time he's saying, listen to me, pay attention, I'm telling you something that's important. I'm making some promises to you. And then he makes three declarations here in this prophecy, which is longer than just one chapter. He makes three declarations that the promises, I'm going to keep my promises. They're actually going to be fulfilled. I'm not just making up stuff, God says. This is actually going to happen. In chapter 51, verses 17 through 23, if you just kind of jot that down in the margin, you'll see here's one of those declarations, I'm going to do what I told you I'm going to do. And then he does the same thing again in chapter 52, verses 1 through 10. I'm going to keep my promises. Here's how it's going to happen. And then chapter 52, verse 11 and 12, again, I'm going to do what I say. Here's what it's going to look like. And he gives us declarations that I'm making you some promises. Listen to them. And then he says, I'm going to keep my promises. And he makes these declarations. Now, one thing we need to always keep in mind that you don't hear very much talked about or taught about. And that is in the last days, there is going to be an advancing church and a retreating church. There's going to be a church that stands loyal to the Lord, gives testimony to him, stands in fidelity to Christ, lives with courage and belief in the word of God and the promises and the prophecies of God. And there's going to be a church that's really saved. They're really God's people, but they're not going to have that courage. They're not going to be living for the Lord. They're living for themselves, but God says, I'm still going to save them because they are my people. But what they do is not going to matter for my purposes. They're not going to be served. They're going to be ashamed when I come rather than grateful and glad. 
glad and joyous. I mean, the, the scriptures teach us about lift up your head, your redemption's drawing nigh. The Lord's about to get here. You ought to be excited about that. But there's going to be a part of the church that's not going to be excited about that. And we need to always keep that in mind because we have a choice, even as believers, where are we going to land in the things of God? There are going to be believers that don't believe that don't really live toward the promises and the prophecies of God, and the second coming of the Lord, they're going to find themselves shaken. They're going to look more like the world, even though they are going to be saved. And God tells us that 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 10 and following. You can read that story there. It's told. Uh, Hebrews chapter 10 tells that story, verses 35 to 39, that part of the church is, you know, lifting up their heads, living in faith, and part's going to be ashamed when he comes. 1 John 2, 28 talks about that. Some people are going to be ashamed. They're going to not get rewards. They're going to be embarrassed about the return of the Lord. It's like there's, there's two parts of the church. So you've got the unbelieving world. You've got the church, part of which some of it's going to look like the world. But God says, look, they're really my kids. I'm going to save them because I'm faithful, even if they're not faithful. And then there's going to be the part of the church that is living out the purposes and the promises of God. And we are going to reap a great harvest. The greatest revival in the history of mankind is going to happen in those last days. This last seven years, literally, before the Lord Jesus returns, there's going to be an end gathering. Because again, God's making it dark so people can make a choice. God's making it hard so people have to choose, you know what, I think I need God. And he's wanting to give them that opportunity. And there will be an influx of people from every tribe, tongue, and nation, the scriptures tell us. A number of prophecies, you can read that clearly in Revelation chapter 7, where John sees this great crowd of people. It says they're too vast to count, and they're from every tribe and tongue and language and nation. They're before the throne, and they're worshiping God. And the angel says, who are those people, John? And John says, I don't know. And the angel says, here's who they are. They're the people who got saved in the great tribulation. They're the people who have come out of the great tribulation and washed themselves in the blood of the Lamb, and they're dressed in white garments of righteousness as a gift of God. So what's ahead for us is a world that continues to devolve and get darker, and yet a church that gets brighter and part of the church that won't get brighter, and there is revival that's going to come, that's going to be glorious. It's going to be the most glorious time of ingathering for the church. So we need to be a people who are both pressing into the Lord, knowing the world's going to get worse. There's no question about that. But we live with fidelity to Christ. We live in faith. We are not to be those who are shaken, but be those who say, we have the answer, it's Jesus Christ. He is the rock that doesn't shake. And we stand and we put our lives on that foundation and we invite others, come, come to him. He is who he says he is. And many, many people will come. Isaiah 60 says, nations will come to your light. As the world gets darker, my people get brighter, he says, and nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. The testimony after testimony in the scripture of this last great revival. I've got a whole book I wrote on it, The Last Great Revival. It's ahead of us on the prophetic landscape. So Isaiah 51, as we start walking a little bit through this prophecy, let me do something. I'm going to pull out a clock here because I can't read that one. There we go. So we are supposed to be out here by 2.30, right? <laughs> Probably most of you will be out of here before then, whether I am through or not. It'll be, you'll be gone, but no. <laughs> really, I mean, usually this takes about 60 minutes, but I can do it in 59 if you listen real fast. So we'll, we'll get there. 
What are God's people doing in the last days? The activity of God's people. I want us to look at that for just a minute. Isaiah 51, God tells us, here's some of the stuff you ought to be doing as last days people. Isaiah 51, 1. Listen to me, you who pursue righteousness and who seek the Lord. Look to the rock from which you were hewn or cut and to the quarry from which you were dug or hewn out. So we see here in verse 1, there's some action words, or four action words. These are activities that should be a part of our lives in the last days, increasingly important activities. The first one he talks about is listen, listen to the Lord. And thank goodness, we actually believe God talks. He talks through the scripture. He talks, well, you know, he talks in a bunch of ways. The Bible tells us, again, I listed about 14 ways I could think of one afternoon that the Bible says, here's how God talks to people. And I did that yesterday ministry team training. That's the session I start with. God actually talks to people. And here are 14 ways he tells us in the Bible he does that. And there are probably more than that, but those are just ones I thought of. But if we're going to be God's people in the last days, we have to learn to listen to God. Listen to the spirit in our hearts, the impulses, the movements of God's spirit. Learn how God talks and speaks. I mean, he speaks through nature, he tells us. The heavens are declaring the glory of God and, and the universe, everything in the universe. Romans 1.20, it tells us about his invisible nature, his internal powers, divine attributes. It's like there, there are all kinds of ways God's talking to us. He, he is the word, John 1. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. Well, God's telling us, my nature is a word. <laughs> I'm talking about God is light, God is love. You can also say, God is a word. What does that mean? Well, it means his nature is to communicate. What else, what do we use words for? What other reason for words are there than communication? God's saying, it's my nature to communicate. But so many people, even some of God's people think God like wrote one best-selling book and he went away and he retired and living off the royalties. But no, it's not. The book tells us, I'm a speaking God. I know how to talk to my kids. It just blows my mind that sometimes people think God can only speak to us through the word, but the devil can speak to us in a hundred thousand different ways with temptations and stuff. It's like, does the devil really have more access to talk to us than our creator does? It's just not right. God is a speaking being. So one of the activities we have to do, and it's one of my assignments, which we do in ministry team training yesterday, all day teaching, how does God talk to people? How do we learn to listen to God's voice? What does it sound like? How do I know God's voice from the pizza I had from lunch? How, how do I know it's not the devil talking to me? It's like, we have to learn how does God communicate? And he teaches us that. It's not a secret. And he gives people to teach us that. And that's one of my responsibilities is to help people to cultivate a listening life to God. How, seeing what God is doing, hearing what God is saying, so we can participate with him. We can be a blessing to the those around us that we work with, our family, our neighborhood, we can be there as, as a light in, in the darkness. And it's going to get darker and our light's going to shine brighter as that happens in who we are and how we communicate God's love and presence with people. But if we don't believe that God speaks, I mean, we're just about lost. You, you've got to believe that the creator can actually talk to people or we're in trouble. God wants to speak, and so we have to be a people who learns how to listen. Doesn't mean we can make up stuff and say God said. Don't we don't even like the phrase God said. We don't use that when we talk about ministering and praying for people. We want to ask questions, and there are all kinds of things we can learn, which we do in ministry team training. If you've been through that, you know. If not, take it. You'll enjoy and be glad that you did. 
Listen to me, he says. We need to be those who learn to listen to the Lord. Pursue. Pursue what? Pursue righteousness. Listen to me, you who pursue righteousness. There's a second activity. We ought to be people who are hungry and thirsting after righteousness. It's like, I want to be a godly person. I want to be a righteous person, a good person. I want to be honest. I want to be kind. I want to follow the golden rule. Do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. It's not complicated. God is godly, and we're called to be God's kids. And one of the things we're going to do is become righteous. Jesus is called the righteous one. In fact, in the last days, one of those great prophecies said there's going to be a song that sweeps the earth, and it's going to be glory to the righteous one. Like the righteousness of Jesus is going to be exalted in that day because the world's going to be so evil and messed up. I mean, it's just going to get worse and worse, but righteousness is going to get brighter and brighter. And Jesus is, he's the king of righteousness, right? He's the righteous one. So we want to be able to exalt him, not with just talking about him, but but how we live. We want to say, I belong to Jesus, therefore my life is becoming like Jesus. We're not called just to worship Jesus. We're called to become conformed to the image of Jesus. That's the call of Christians in the New Testament. We can become conformed to his image, which means, well, he's righteous. I want to be righteous. And I don't know about you guys, but... I mess up a bunch. I'm not righteous all the time. I want to be. I hunger to be. I long to be. I pray to be. I confess my sins. But i got a ways to go before I'm like Jesus. I don't know if you've arrived yet, but I hadn't gotten there. i got a good bit of road in front of me. But I'm making progress. I can look back. And, you know, we don't measure ourselves by other people. You don't ever look at someone else and say, well, I'm not like them. Or I'm not like Don't ever do that. You measure yourself by yourself in the past. How was I last year or last week or two years ago? It's like, am I better than that? Am I growing? That's how you know if you're growing or not. Don't compare yourself to others. That's a losing game. There are always people better than you. There are people way better than me. But if I look back, is my life changing? Am I growing? God's glad of that. He grows things. He talks about the kingdom of God. How does it work? And he describes nature. First, there's the little blade that comes up from the seed in the ground. Then there's the stalk. Then there's the full ear. You know, the corn. It's got all the kernels. It's like, that's how we change. We grow. It's a process. So we don't compare ourselves to others. We don't get down on ourselves. What we do is make progress. And we do that by pursuit. You have to say, God, I want this. I recognize this is the right thing. This is what honors you. This is what makes me a testimony to who Christ is that other people desperately need to see. We pursue righteousness. That's what we're doing in the last days. That's one of our activities. Listen to the Lord, pursuing righteousness. And then he says, you who seek the Lord. There ought to be in us as believers, especially in the last days, this has to increase. We have to seek God. And the Bible is so full of verses and promises and things where God says, seek me and you'll find me. Jesus says in like Luke 11, he says, ask and you shall find, uh, uh, seek and the door, uh, and, and what is it? Ask and you shall receive, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be open, right? Ask, seek, knock. And God will let you in if you want it, if you're pursuing it, if you're seeking it. And he promised Jeremiah 29, 11 through 13, he said, if you seek me with all your heart, you'll find me. God doesn't want us half-hearted. That's not really what he's after. But a wholehearted desire, God, I'm not there, but I want you. I want to know you. I want to be like, I want to be what you made me to be. Which of us doesn't want to be better than we are? I mean, it's like, 
we look at ourselves and we think, well, I'm not like Jesus. But again, if we look back, we can say, you know what? I am more like Jesus than I used to be. I'm not where I was. I'm not where I want to be, but I'm not where I was. We know we're on the trail and we keep making progress in that by seeking righteousness, by looking to the Lord. We're seeking the Lord. And as we do that, we're pursuing this righteousness. We're seeking the Lord. We want to know him. We want to worship him. We want to serve him. So we just try to bring our lives to God and say, God, I'm seeking you. What would you have me do? We want to be dead. We talk about being dedicated, where we dedicate ourselves to give service to the Lord. What good can he do through your life? What gifts or talents has he put in you? Who do you care about? Where are your passions? Pay attention to those things. We try to teach our young people, follow your creativity. It will lead you to your creator. He puts those things in us, and we have to learn how to see them and then use them to honor and to glorify the one who made us and recognize we're actually in his image, and we want that to unfold in the world and to be seen, and we do that by looking and seeking and pursuing and listening God, all these things he's telling us to do here. We listen to the Lord. We pursue righteousness. We seek the Lord. We can seek him in worship. Like we do, we try to connect with God. God, I want to know you. Sometimes we connect well, and sometimes we don't connect well. I mean, we're human, right? Like, we're wishy-washy. We get in sometimes to God's presence. We know God's there, and it's awesome, and we love it. And other times, it's like, oh, man, just not connecting today. We're still very fallible people. But this idea of this, these active words, listen and pursue and seek, means we have to stir some things up in us. We have to feed the flame. We have to fuel the fire. Because I'll guarantee you, everything leaks, including devotion to God. Everything leaks in us. We, we have cracks in our cisterns, our, our inner cisterns, and stuff runs out, even devotion. And we need to refuel it. And so we go to God and we say, God, help me renew my heart. And God teaches us things like, he's such a creative God. And I'm talking about creativity a minute ago. One thing God creates that I love, where David goes to him in Psalm 51, and he says, create in me a clean heart, O God. I love God can do that. I need that creative work a lot of times, right? Create a clean heart in me, God. It's messed up, but you can clean it. You can create something new out of it, and he does. So we want to be those who listen to the Lord, pursue righteousness, seek the Lord. And then he says a fourth thing. He says, look. And he's going to talk about looking back, understanding who we are, where we came from, and where we're headed. Now, I'm not going to take a lot of time with the look. I'm, I might get to it in a few minutes, but I want to back up here and talk about these characteristics of the advancing church again. This listening to the Lord, hearing his voice, knowing how he speaks, understanding prophetic language, understanding that God is a communicating being, and we want to live in communication with our creator. And he does that in such wonderful ways. But again, his ways are not our ways, and we have to learn his ways. We have to learn how he communicates, and that can be done. There's so much good teaching on that today that's out there that's available. So um, lining up with God's final purposes, it does include this looking back. It does include look. That's what we're doing today, looking back at a prophecy God gave 3,000 years ago and recognizing it's saying something to us today. 
It's a living word. Again, the disciples, as I prayed, said, Lord, we can't leave you. You got the word of life. What you say matters to us. It makes a difference in our lives. And that's how we come to the word of God. And we listen for God. We don't just read a text. We don't try to get a nice thought for the day. I mean, you can get a nice thought out of Plato. He's got some good things to say. But you go here and you say, Father, what do you want to say to me today? We listen for the voice, not just read a text. God, do you want to speak to me? I want to hear what you have to say from my life. And we open the Bible with that expectancy and that prayer and that desire. God, I want to, what do you want to say to me? I want to hear your voice. And we listen to the text. We don't just read it. We don't just try to do it. We listen. And the Father's voice has life in it. So, um, I made myself a note here, and I can't read it, so I don't guess. Let's see, Steve, you're younger than me. You might could come read this. Never mind, never mind. I, I won't ask you to do that. Um, oh, I know what it was. It, it, it reminded me when I, this morning when I was looking at that, it, it reminded me of the time I was on the front row in the service, and, I, and I'm talking to God about how he talks to people and how he talks to me in particular. He, you know, he uses picture language like he does in the prophets. And, and so I'm just sort of chatting with the Lord during a worship service, and I said, God, why don't you just tell me what you want to tell me instead of showing me these silly pictures? You ever just chat with the Lord? I mean, God, why don't you show me these silly pictures? Just tell me what you want to tell me. That's a good American prayer, right? That's a good Western prayer. And all of a sudden, it's like I heard the Lord's voice in my heart, in my head, and he sounded sad. And I heard this, Steve, why don't you like me the way I am? And it's like, all of a sudden, I just started bawling. I just fell into my chair, and I'm just crying like, who am I to tell God how he ought to talk to me? It's like, that's just wrong, and so I'm repenting. And all of a sudden, verses started going through my head that I didn't know. I, I, I'm not a great Old Testament guy, all the, and obviously, you're hearing me stumble through this. But it's like, all of a sudden, Numbers chapter 12, verses 6 through 8 go right through my head, and it's like the number, the the references there in my eyes and it's like I had no idea what they said but it says when I speak to a prophet I speak in dreams and riddles and dark sayings it's like that's the way I am I like God likes the clues God likes what the pursuit he enjoys the feminine aspect of God he wants to be pursued he loves the chase so he doesn't want to just tell us stuff he could get his stuff done without us right he could get his stuff done through donkeys or whoever he wants to use he doesn't need us he's inviting us and he actually enjoys giving us clues and seeing will you follow will you come or do you want to know are you hungry do you care are you attracted? It's like God, God wants us to love him. He is love. He's not just getting his stuff done. Again, he could snap his fingers and get it all done anytime he wants. He's inviting us to be a part of putting back together what we messed up when we've sinned. And we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. We've all messed up the world. The creation is morally sensitive, and our sin hurts creation. Romans 8 makes that so clear. But we get to help put it back together, Romans 8 also tells us, that when we become who we're supposed to be as the children of God, creation will start to be changed, and we will get through the millennial kingdom to put the world back like God intends it to be. And I am so glad we get to be a part of that. So God is a speaking God. We need to learn who he is, how he talks. We need to be pursuers of righteousness because that makes us like him. This word here in the Hebrew, pursue righteousness, 
it's a, it's a very powerful, it's a Hebrew picture of pursuing through prayer and worship. Literally, that's what this is saying. Vigorous pursuit through prayer and worship. Pursue the Lord. Come after him, worshiping him, praying to him. Do this vigorously. It's a powerful word. And the good news is that Jesus makes that promise in the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. He says, those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, what does he say? Shall be filled, will be filled. It's like God says, if you keep the hunger going, if you'll stoke your desire to be righteous, to be godly, he says, I'll help you get there. I'll actually form that in you. And again, it's a growing thing in our character and our nature to become like him. So the pursuit of righteousness, and actually, we're going to succeed at this. God tells us, and in prophecy at the very end, in the book of Revelation, chapter 19, verse 7 and 8, he tells us what happens. Here comes the wedding of the bride. It's like the Lord comes, and we're having the wedding supper with the, of the lamb. The Passover moves to the Lord's communion table, now to the marriage supper of the lamb. It's no more a symbol of anything, which Passover was a symbol, and, and the Lord's supper was a symbol. And, but when we get to the marriage supper, it's, like, it's not a symbol anymore. This is the reality of our feasting with the Lord and the Lord says, and there in 19, Revelation 19, 7, 8, he says that when the marriage supper of the Lamb comes, he says the bride has made herself ready. She's been given white garments to wear, which are what? It says the righteous acts of the saints. We actually become a righteous people. And it is a great gift of God. It is a precious gift of God to bring us into what we've longed for, lived for, strived for, prayed for. He actually says, I'm going to get that done in you. And we might look and think, mm, I've got too far to go, but uh, there's some more promises we're not going to get to in here that I can show you. He's going to do some things that are pretty amazing to help us get where we're desiring to be if we're doing these four things. So we're longing and we're seeking after the Lord again, that, that striving after in worship and in prayer. And there are other prophecies that tell us the same thing is going to be true of the last day's people. Malachi chapter 3, verse 1. It says, behold, I will send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me. And listen to this, the Lord whom you seek. So this is the last day's prophecy here, second coming of Jesus. And he's saying there are going to be people who are seeking the Lord. It says, the Lord whom you seek shall suddenly come to his temple. It's like, and we are his temple, right? Our bodies are temples. Of, it's like he's going to come to his people. It's going to be a glorious reunion and meeting in a way that's going to be absolutely life-changing. The Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, the messenger of the covenant. And we have our covenant with God through Christ in whom you delight. When people who are seeking the Lord are delighting in him, we're doing like we did this morning. We worship him. We tell him we love him. We ask him to move and live in our lives. There's this honest, wholehearted seeking, this, this holy desire, a holy love for the will of God. And God says, I'm paying attention to that. The Lord whom you seek, he's going to come. So we want to be a church that has this seeking heart, when we, especially when we come in corporate worship. But worship is everyday life. It's not just what we do in here on Sunday morning, right? Romans 12 verse 1 says that we are, you know, our worship is what we do every day in our lives. We give our whole lives, our bodies even, as an as a, a offering to the Lord, and it's how we live. That's our worship, but the corporate worship is very beautiful and precious to the Lord, and it's a good time to corporately come and express this seeking the Lord. and says he's going to come to his temple. 
And it's going to be, there, there are gifts of the Lord. There are things of the Lord yet to be released to the church that we have not yet experienced and known that's going to help us actually get to these things that we're designed because God not only prophesies we should be seeking him, he also tells us you're going to get there. It's going to happen. Um, let's see, how far should I go here? All right, listening. Let me just do this. We can imagine a church, you know, listening to the Lord's voice. I mean, because this is, this is what he's saying. So people who are listening, they're trying to go. And that's what we've tried to do right here at Calvary. We don't try to get together and say, okay, God, we're going to do this. Bless it. Like, no. You know, our, our modus operandi is, God, what are you doing? How can we bless that? Show us what you're up to. Show us how we can serve what your agenda is. And that's what we want to do as a church family. That's what your leadership team wants to do. We want to serve God's purposes, not create. I mean, there's a lot of good things people can do. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. But it's like Jesus said, I only do what I see the Father doing. I speak what I hear the Father speaking. And that's the approach we want to take. It's like, God, what are you doing? How can we bless that? So he, we want him to speak to us. We want to listen to him, pursuing him, pursuing righteousness and seeking the Lord. And um, another one of these other prophecies, the Isaiah 26 prophecy I mentioned earlier, verse 8 and 9, talks about the same picture that I'm see, seeing here in Isaiah 51. This prophecy in Isaiah earlier, he says, verse 8 of chapter 26, Yes, Lord, walking in the way of your laws, we wait for you. Here's the seeking and wanting to be righteous, walking in the way of his laws. Your name and your renown are the desire of our hearts. My soul yearns for you in the night, and in the morning my spirit longs for you. When your judgments come upon the earth, talking about the last days, the righteous judgments to awaken people, it says the people of the Lord will learn righteousness. The people of the world will learn righteousness. And there's that thing we're to be seeking. Soon God says, it's going to happen. <laughs> I'm going to do some things in response to what you're doing as the people of God who are living out my promises and my prophecies. You read just in that one verse, two verses, Isaiah 26, 8 and 9, he talks about walking, waiting, desiring, longing. These are aggressive words again in Hebrew. And, and sometimes we go, what should I be doing right now? You know, what's, what's God up to? These are things you can be doing. These are all things that we can say we can set our hearts to. We can set our lives toward these things because we know they are right. They are end time prophecies and promises um, of the Lord. So, well, Lord, Lord, thank you that you are the living God. You are with us. You speak to us, you love us, you forgive us, you change us. God, thank you you're not leaving me like I am. Lord, I don't want to be where I am. I want to be more like your son. I am your son. I want to be more like Jesus. Lord, put that heart in us as a church. God, help us just to want to be more like Jesus, to pursue righteousness. God, help us to learn how to listen to you, that you're a communicating father. You're a good father. You talk to us. God, help us to give you space, to give you room. Sometimes, Lord, we just crowd your word out because our lives are sated with other things. Oh, Lord, forgive us when we just get so busy and so filled with the things that aren't going to be eternal and we don't make room for you. God, show us how, show us where, show us when. I pray for us as a church family 
God, that we would be an advancing church that would be hungering and thirsting after righteousness, that would be pursuing you and your purposes and your promises and prophecies, that would seek the glory of your Son, Jesus, in our lives, in our midst, and in our world. God, would you work these things in us? Do in us, God, what we're, we seem unable to do, but Lord, we want you to do it. We invite you to do it. Draw us to yourself, Holy Spirit. Draw us to Jesus. Help us, God. We need you. But we know, Lord, your promise is he who began a good work in us is going to complete it in the day of Christ. Thank you, God. We stand there on that rock, God. We will not fail in this pursuit because you're the rock beneath our feet. So, Lord, help us to stay there, digging down deep, as Jesus said, that when the storms come, Lord, we are secure because you are not shaken. Let us be with you and on you and in you. And would you be in us? So, Lord, I I pray for each of us here this morning. Some, Lord, here may never even really have surrendered to you, and they need you, Lord. God, would you tug at their heart? Just invite you. Just ask God, God, come into my life. I need you. I need Jesus. I want to be saved. I don't want to just keep doing life. I want meaning. I want purpose that I was created for. Ask him. He will come. He'll come into you. He'll live with you. Some of us, we've grown weary in our pursuit. The things of the world have become heavy on our shoulders, filled us with worry. Lord, lift our eyes. May we see your son at the right hand of the throne and know he is our savior. He is our coming king and he will not fail us or forsake us. Lord, give us confidence in him. And may we be people of faith in a faithless world. May we be people that are secure in an insecure world. That we might give honor and testimony to your son, Jesus Christ. Oh, Lord. We need you. And we believe you. And we trust you. You need to make a fresh surrender. Just make it right now. Lord, I just want to say, I want you. I need you. I want to pursue you, Lord. I haven't been. Lord, forgive me. Show me how. Open my eyes. Warm my heart, Lord, where it's grown cold. Ask him. Ask, seek, knock, Jesus says. It will come. It will come. He's not disappointed in you. He's not mad at you. He's waiting on you. He's knocking at the door of your heart. God, I want to be what you call me to be. I want to be a person who's seeking the Lord, who's listening to your voice, learning how you talk, who you are. I want to be a worshiper. I want to be a witness. 
I want to be righteous in the midst of a wrong world. I want to be righteous. So, Lord, you hear our prayers. You see our hearts clearly, Lord. Holy Spirit, meet us. Church, he meets you right where you are. Not like you've got to change something before he meets you. He meets you here. Soon as we turn toward him, soon as we ask, he's there. So, Lord, thank you for new beginnings this day. Thank you for new relationship with you this day that we trust in because of your promise, because of who you are. So, Lord, as a church family, we say, come, live in our midst. Make us a city set on a hill full of light in the midst of darkness, full of rightness, full of love, full of mercy, full of truth full of peace. Make us secure, Lord, in you. In the holy name, the merciful name, the good name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this episode from Calvary Community Church Podcast. For more content and information about Calvary Community Church, please visit our website at calvaryhouston.com.